Warning, this podcast involves discussions of a spooky and graphic nature not suitable for children or the faint of heart. Strong language and mature content is present. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spooked girls. True crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Tara and Jessica will make you. Along with the spooked girls Bring on the slaughter We on that haunted ground The three spooked girls Hey spooksters and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Tara and as always I am joined with my ghoul friend Jessica. Hello out there. Hello. And today we are coming at you with another big case. We just wrapped up West Memphis 3 on Thursday, and here we are again. This time, as you can see in the title, we are going to be talking about Casey Anthony. I mean, this is like one of those things where this case could easily be like a million episodes long. (laughs) Literally could be its own podcast, yes, and I'm sure there probably is somewhere. (laughs) But how ours is going to go down is this is going to be similar to the Zodiac Killer when we did a mini series type of situation. This week, you will actually get two parts of the Casey Anthony case. We are going to do part one today with detailed background in the Anthony family. And then on Thursday, Jessica is going to pick us up from there. And we will actually walk through until after Cindy's first 911 call. So it's either going to be three or four parts. We're not sure yet, but uh, we wanted to do a really deep dive into this one for you guys. But before we get too ahead of ourselves, if you are new here, hello and welcome. Thank you for checking out the podcast, Returning Spooksters. Thank you for being here. We love you guys so much. Seeing all the Spotify wrap-up things that you guys are tagging us in and stuff, we love it. Thank you. Mm -hmm. They're so cool to see. I love it so much. And speaking of being thankful, I have to say something really fast. One, to Amanda, who sent us the Two Weirdos and a Ghost book. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh my God, I'm going to read it and then I'm going to send it to Jessica so she can read it. And then whoever, because you've still not outed yourself, whoever has sent the Skull Waffle, Mini Waffle Iron, thank you. That is so thoughtful. I'm going to send that over Jessica's way because I have one and I'm not going to keep everything like an asshole. So you know, uh, we share. (laughs) But yes, but thank you. No, I'm very excited about that because one of my things that I do is I make chili and then I don't make cornbread the regular way, I should say. I make it in the waffle iron. So now I'm super excited to make little skull cornbreads. Yay! They're so, it's so cute. It's so cute. And we will be twins. I'm excited. But yeah, so thank you, secret gift giver. (laughs) And if you would like to write us, send us anything, anything like that, we do have a P.O. box. It's in the show notes of every episode. And it's also on our socials. You can check that out. And speaking of socials, we are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our handle is at Three Spooked Girls. And we have an amazing Facebook group that is Three Spooked Girls Official. We're in our second month of book club over there. So definitely go check check it out. And that's where we do a lot of like announcements early on and things like that. So it's a fun little community. And if you would like to support the show, we have a Patreon that you can donate to for as little as a dollar. That gets you one bonus episode a month. Two and up gets Jessica Slaughter's Movie Reviews and Plot Lines, which is a bi-monthly series going on. And then five and up is when you start to get extra live streams with us each month and you get video content including my Haunted Ground series, which is on haunted objects and also a coffee recommendation. And while supplies last, I have to say that because I only ordered a certain amount, for the month of December or when I run out, whichever, we have 
Krampus stickers that Jessica designed for us. And anyone who joins at our five or higher tiers, you'll get that in your swag. And it's really, really cool. So if you have not seen it, go check it out on our socials. Jessica did a really good job on them. I fucking love them. With that, we are going to take a quick promo break and we will be right back. Hey, I'm Shar. And I'm Kelly. And together we host Drinking and Screaming. We're a new horror discussion podcast based out of Vancouver, British Columbia, where each episode we pair a new cocktail with our movie of the week. For instance, I'm pairing this ad with just a shot of tequila. You know, because most ads are horrible. With Drinking and Screaming, you'll find yourself pulled into a new horror film to discuss and a new cocktail to try every week. Every episode is laced with great soundtracks, theme breakdowns, production trivia, Char's bad drinks, and so much more. What? I said clips from the movie. New episodes every week. Join in on the spoops. Drinking and screaming wherever podcasts are found. I give this ad a 5 out of 10. You know, we don't rate the movies. 5 out of 10. (laughs) All right. Well, welcome back, guys. I am going to hand it over to Jessica so she can tell us our drink for the week. So it is now officially the Christmassy holiday season. This month, I'm going to be doing drinks that represent the holidays. I will try to be inclusive with everyone, but we only have so many shows. But the first one, I love a good margarita. I'm going to be real honest. I don't know how this tastes because I did not make it. But this is a easy white Christmas margarita. And it's a pitcher recipe, which is great because if you are like me this holiday season, getting sloshed sounds like a lot of fun. It has coconut milk, coconut water, tequila, lime juice, and agave. And then for some little Christmassy flair to it, you put frozen cranberries in it, which I like doing things with frozen fruit in them. A lot of times in the summer, I will put frozen berries into like a white wine because it helps keep the core temperature of the wine if I'm just sipping. And then also it keeps it cold. Yeah. So it has frozen <laughs> frozen cranberries, limes, and rosemary sprigs. And when I showed Tara the picture, she goes, can you just take the tree out of there? <laughs> Sure. But I was like, it's probably there for taste as well as decoration because it would give off a little bit of something. That's true. That's true. If you want to know the recipe and everything, it'll be on the socials tomorrow. So just check it out then. Yes, yes. All right, guys. So let's go ahead and buckle the fuck in. So obviously, like, we love, love, love giving background. So I'm going to do the whole family as a unit. We're not going to just do Casey's background. We're going to talk about George and Cindy a little bit because, hello, you guys probably know about this case. Unless you were super young, they're a big part. We got to talk about them. Even if you're not young, like, the one thing, like, a lot of times before we do these cases, I know so much superficial And then we do these cases and I'm like, holy shit, there is so much more to this than I knew. This is one of those moments. It definitely is. So I'm going to start with George. So George, he was actually the only brother out of all his siblings. He had three sisters. And the Anthony family moved to Niles, Ohio shortly after he was born. And they came from a comfortable family, comfortable background. His father owned a car dealership in Warren, Ohio, which was just up the road. It was about five miles from Niles. So right there. The Anthony family was actually considered pillars in the community, so they were pretty well known. And George would graduate from high school in 1970, and he would go on to attend Youngstown State University. And he would get married for the first time to his high school sweetheart, Terry Rosenberger, at 21. Around this time, he would decide that college wasn't really for him, so he decided to drop an application for the Trumbull County Sheriff's Department, and he had done this on January 14th, 1975. They would go on to give him a job offer, and he would accept as a deputy, and it was said that he would do some work in the stolen car department and in homicide, but he eventually was transferred back to patrols. It said, like, uniform police work, which is basically regular patrol type thing. And George would work here for 11 years. And while his job would stay a constant in his life for some time, his first marriage wouldn't. It was noted that Terry and George would actually begin to have marital problems, and they were also dealing with infertility. So the relationship was very strained. George was said to lie to Terry constantly about all sorts of things, and we know that's, you know, not good. And there was rumors of him having a gambling problem even back then. 
Ah. Themes. You go and see some themes, guys. Lies, gambling, and more. Sounds like a fucking Lifetime movie. Jesus. It was said that in an interview with Terry's brother that George, quote, had to always fabricate his stories, constantly lying. That was the main reason they divorced and that George seemed to have a gene that made him lie about virtually everything. That'll sound familiar with somebody later. I call these people taco liars. One of my friends, her name is Sophie. She and I, we called this guy taco liar because he'd be the guy where you'd be hanging out with him. And then like, let's say later someone else joined the party and they would ask him like, oh, what'd you have for lunch today? Mind you, you've eaten lunch with him. You saw him eat a hamburger, right? Like straight up looked him in the face while he ate the hamburger. And he'd be like, oh, I had tacos. Because he knew the guy he was talking to would like that he had tacos. Or like, fucking taco liar. (laughs) Real life experience broken down into like a fun nickname. Mm Mm-hmm. So uh, Taco Liar, needless to say, got divorced from Terry in 1979, which will now enter Cindy into our story. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about her. So Cindy, her maiden name was Cindy Placia, and she was of Romanian heritage. And her father, his name was Alex, was actually a first generation American. His parents, her grandparents, had immigrated over and he was a World War II veteran. Cindy was the youngest of six children. Her family was not active in the community as the Anthonys were. They kept to themselves type of thing. They didn't really socialize, didn't really talk with their neighbors, that type of thing. And they grew up more tight as far as money goes. They weren't as well off, basically. And basically, when I was reading about Cindy, she said essentially she took her childhood and how she saw her parents struggle and stuff as motivation for her to do better in her life and get a career and things like that. Makes sense. Mm hmm. And her parents were kind of just like, whatever about it, because when she was getting ready to graduate high school, she's bringing up college, bringing up furthering her education and stuff. And they're just kind of like, you're on your own with that, because none of no, no one in their family had ever went to college or anything like that from what it seems like. So wasn't really a priority as much. So with that. After she graduated, she took it upon herself to enroll in the three-year RN program, and she would pay her own tuition at Trumbull County Memorial Hospital. And she would end up graduating from there in 1979, and it was said she was basically almost at the top of her class. She was in, like, one of the top percentages of that. And while in school, she was focusing on pediatric nursing, but once she was entering the workforce, she decided to switch to general nursing and eventually would take a job at an orthopedic surgeon's office. Now, the timeline's a little murky on when she took that job because she was actually also working at the hospital, may have been working two jobs or doing some kind of internship, I don't know, but that's where she actually met George. And George was there because one of his sisters was there receiving care and she was one of the nurses on duty so they met and from here they would decide to go on a date and have a quote whirlwind courtship and were married the following year and things were you know going great cindy had actually became the head nurse at her job and they were happy in their relationship and then cindy would become pregnant with their first child who is casey's older brother lee and he would be born on november 18th 1982 Then Casey would be born on March 19th, 1986. At this time, Cindy was balancing working and home life while George was still at the sheriff's department because she very much still wanted at this point to have her career and progress because, like I said, she was already moving up. Now, there are kind of some conflicting accounts on this next part, but what happened was, long story short, George leaves the sheriff's department after being there for 11 years. Some say that George did this abruptly without talking to Cindy because he was very impulsive. So that's kind of where it was. And then another narrative was that Cindy told George, you need to get a different job because you need to be making more money. I want to stay home with the kids type of thing. So you can go whichever way you want with that. I can definitely see it going either way, considering knowing their personalities. Right. I hear that. But then I also look at the fact that like around the same time, my mother-in-law stayed home in a more expensive area of the country while my father-in-law was a firefighter. So I call bullshit. I just think that he got tired of it. Probably. Probably. 
So after leaving the department, Cindy tells George that, you know, he should go work with his father because, like I mentioned, his dad has a car dealership and he's had it this whole time. At this point, it's been like over 30-something years. So he does. And I think George thought things were going to go a little different than what they did when his dad gave him the job. So what I was reading about this, it was saying that he was essentially wanting to take over and run the dealership, but his dad was like, uh, no. And, you know, smart on his part. Sorry, George. But he basically told him, he was like, look, I built this up from the ground to what it is now over the last 30 years. I'm not just handing this to you. Like, it's not happening. You know, like, I'm not ready to retire type of thing. Well, George didn't like that, and it turned into a physical fight between the two of them, and George would actually put his father through a glass window. It was so violent that somebody said that if people hadn't, like, broken it up, that uh, he might have killed his dad. When I heard that, I was just like, what the actual fuck? Who the fuck tries to, like, kill their dad because they're like, no, I don't think you should run my business? because it's my business. And at this point, I wouldn't think that his dad would be that old. No. So, of course, you know, authorities get involved for the assault on he's Lee Sr., I guess, because their son's Lee also. Anyway, with Lee, the dad. And Warren's a semi-small town, way way bigger than where Jessica and I grew up. But, like, during the 80s, it had, like, 50-ish thousand people. So that, plus the fact that they are well-known in the community, word's gonna get around, obviously. And that's what happened. And Cindy was not very pleased about this at all. It was said that this was when Cindy decided to quit her job to be at home with her children and, quote, take charge to get things back on track. So they come up with this plan that George was going to open his own car dealership. And it was like basically across the street. It was like right down the road. It was right fucking there. So there's that. And it was almost the same name because his dad's was like Anthony's car lot or whatever. And then his just had his first name with it. It was George Anthony's. I'm like, seriously? Okay. (laughs) Okay. It's kind of like the Marco's Pizza where like, yeah. it was like a family-run business and then the two brothers fought and then it, it split and like one town got an, another pizza place. I love family business dramas. Right. So yeah, so this is going on. So they go get the loan, they go get that going and this did not last very long. Shit kind of came crashing down fairly quickly. So the thing was, George was lying again and he was telling Cindy like, everything's great. Everything's going fine. Things were not going fine at all. And the lot would end up closing. And on top of that, they would foreclose on their house and have to file bankruptcy. (laughs) I'm only laughing because I know what comes next. So with all of this looming, Cindy's like, she wants to get the fuck out of this town. She's like, I'm not going to live here no more. We're going to go and we're going to go get a fresh start. So you know what they do? They borrow 10K from her brother and then they relocate to Florida. Cindy found a nursing job that she took and then George would start working as a security guard. And Cindy is the breadwinner here. Mm -hmm. So that's how they ended up in Florida. And then it was funny because I was laughing. I feel like I know why Jessica's laughing. So if you guys have watched Stephanie Harlow's video on this, she talks about, I guess, George had said something about he just wanted to work at Disneyland or Disney World or something. And she's like, and then he ended up in Florida. (laughs) I was like, oh, (laughs) but it's not because of that. (laughs) I was laughing at that. And because of how he explained all of the sudden like they were they lost everything it wasn't that he was like i had this failed business it was that he was like i invested poorly and i lost all this money and they had to take the dealership it's important to note this because this is like the first time cindy just swallows it and goes with it she gets the information she puts it into her brain it fries and she goes okay let's go i'm like i would have been like excuse me What investment exactly did you make that caused us to lose our family business? And your house and everything. Right. I get that. Like, if you're talking like stock market crash, I get that. But this point in time in life, there wasn't. Mm Mm-mm. Nope. So yeah, so now that we've arrived in Florida, we are going to turn and start talking about Casey. Casey's described in her childhood as being very spirited, having lots of energy. In an interview with George and Cindy, they described her as the light of their lives. 
And Casey was very popular. She had tons of friends, no issues with that. She had boyfriends, things like that. She was very social. She did all kinds of sports, including track. So, you know, she was very much involved with everybody. Now, it's no secret that Casey kind of takes after her dad a little bit. She's a pathological liar. If you didn't know, now you do. <laughs> it's like, I love the fact that like his first wife's brother was like, I think it's genetic, like it's something in them. Mm-hmm. It's beyond like a white lie. It's beyond saying something like, oh, I scored 20 baskets instead of 15, like just to make yourself look a little better. Like the lies that are going to come out, you're just going to be like, how did you think someone was going to believe that? And with her lying, it was said that it really started to become apparent that this was a problem as she went into her teen years, more specifically her senior year of high school. So, Casey had been having more fun than she probably should have. She had been skipping classes, which, whatever, that's relatively normal. But she skipped so much that that January, before graduation, the school was like, you're not graduating, dude. You have not been fucking here. I don't know where the fuck you've been, but you ain't been here. But in my brain, I'm like, okay, why the fuck wouldn't you have called these parents in and told both of them this? Or when the kid's not there, being like, hi, your kid's not at school today. Like, Like, we've talked about this in other cases. I don't understand why that wasn't a thing. Casey and I are the same age, so I can gauge this. Yeah. And I, I know for a fact this is true, at least at my high school. And I feel like if in my rural town high school had this rule, it was probably everywhere. If you missed a day of class, like a day of school, say you're out sick and no one called in, the school would call your house. And it wasn't automated. It was a person. And they would call the house and they would say, like, Jessica wasn't in school today. Actually, I do think it was automated, now that I think about it. And it would, like, call them until someone called back and said, hey, yeah, she was out sick. Sorry, we didn't call. Or, like, let's say I showed up for first through three and then I ditched fourth through sixth, which is, like, the second half of the day. Kind of. But let's say I didn't come back after lunch, right? Like, I just ditched. I really want to say if you missed three or more periods of the school day, they would call your house. And I mean, I used to ditch in high school. I'm going to be honest about that. And I was very strategic about it. Like I would ditch fifth period, but then come back for sixth period. Then they wouldn't call. You could just ditch those. It was really dumb. But like I could ditch fourth and fifth, which is fourth was before lunch. And then fifth was after lunch. But if as long as I came back for sixth, it could be an anomaly. Like my teacher just didn't mark me absent. And they also or mark me there. Also, it was like a lot of times uh, teacher's assistants would take role. And I used to do that when I was a TA. And so I get it. And I, I get this like skipping is a thing. Mm-hmm. Skipping is a thing in high school. I mean, your high school was probably a little bit more difficult because you had a closed campus. Yeah. Versus like my high school had an open campus. But <laughs> she just Marianoed it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The fact that you're like, you miss enough school to not graduate is insane. Yeah, so much. It's so fucking much. I don't get it. And I don't get why, like, they didn't try to talk to her parents or what the fuck happened with that because she's crazy. So who the fuck knows? I mean, you would think they would send a letter home. Right. That's what I was going to say. Like, I would think that they would send, like, a truant officer. Yeah. Yeah. Because technically she was a minor. So, like, why wasn't someone showing up to arrest her parents? It's Florida. I don't know. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) I don't know. Florida's weird. I don't know the laws in Florida. Yeah, I don't know either. But in my high school, if like someone missed that many days, a truant officer would show up and arrest you, your parents. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. And of course, obviously, as you guys can get from our drift, like Casey did not tell her fucking parents about this, obviously. (laughs) No, she did not. (laughs) And as graduation is coming closer, you know, George and Cindy are starting to talk to her about it and being like, hey, like, where's your cap and gown? When is that coming in? You know, it's getting close. Like, should I call the school? She's like, oh, no, it was a mix up. It'll it'll be here. It was just delayed. Blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, excuse, excuse. And then two days before graduation, Casey decides, okay, it's time to tell them the truth or at least tell Cindy the truth. And she tells her what's going on. And she does kind of what she did with George. And she just takes the information, says okay, and they keep going on like nothing fucking happened. And I'm sorry, Cindy was an enabler with this big fucking time. A thousand percent. Yeah. 
They told nobody what was going on. They acted like everything was fine. So much so. They went to the fucking graduation ceremony with Cindy's parents. So Casey's grandparents <laughs> fucking sat there through the thing. And they're like, uh, what the fuck? Like, where the fuck's Casey? Like, why aren't they calling her? Because <laughs> she's literally an A. Then Cindy's like, oh, it was like a weird misunderstanding. She graduated, but she didn't get to walk type of thing. I can say that happens because like... I had a friend. My high school was weird in the fact that you could have two classes in the same period. And as long as the teachers knew what it was, but typically it was like an elective and then another one. So like one of my friends had choir and accounting and she just never went to her accounting class, but she needed her accounting to graduate. Well, they literally called her in. Actually, I can kind of see this. But the thing was, she was in school. So there was the other thing. They called her probably about a month before graduation and told her, look, you, you're not graduating because you haven't gone to this class. So she had to make up like a whole semester in a month. And they basically were like, you can get your diploma. You just can't walk. And then sometimes people just decide not to walk at their high school graduations. Like, it's not mandatory. Right. But my point is... She's fucking lying. <laughs> right. And then, uh, you know, with all this, even though fucking Cindy knew she's lying for Casey, who fucking lied to them, they still have, like, a graduation celebration and the people, like, everyone still gives her, like, money and gifts, you know, all the basic graduation shit. And I'm just like, okay, okay, Cindy, okay. After graduation, Casey would continue to live at home with her parents. She would get a job at Universal Studios and she worked for Kodiak. She worked in one of those photo booths that are basically like at the end of the ride or like it's a little different with Disney, but it's like, you know, the pictures they take during the ride type of thing. That's what she did. Mm -hmm. Or if you go to like Great America or something when they try to sell you like little keychains and stuff basically equates to this is what she did. And while working there, she'd meet a dude whose name was Jesse Grund. And Jesse, he worked in loss prevention and he was like an undercover type of thing, you know, like trying to catch people shoplifting and things like that. And the two of them would actually begin dating in January. And Jesse honestly seems like a good guy. I watched a lot of his interviews and read a lot of stuff. And he seems like a good person. Honestly, probably too good for Casey. Oh, a thousand percent. He is kind of her knight in shining armor that she treats like shit. Like, we all know that person that you're like, dude, he's really good to you. Why do you do that? And they're just like, because I can. Yep. That's that's exactly what the situation is, because you would think you get this great boyfriend that you would be happy for your parents to meet them. No, no, that didn't happen until much, much later. She kept him away from them, but she would meet his parents. And around that time that she would meet his parents, she's having some physical changes and Casey was slash is a very like petite person. So she was pregnant. There was really no hiding it type of thing just because of where she was gaining the weight and stuff. And like his parents asked him about it. There's these two excuses like I used all the time when she gets confronted. It's that no, she's a virgin and then that she's just retaining water, which I found it interesting that that's what he also told his parents, because when he first brings it up to her, she's like, I'm a virgin. Da -da -da. And I'm like, but y'all were fucking. So, OK, whatever. That's fine. That's fine. But I kind of got the feeling that they weren't. Right. I mean, they had to have eventually because I'll, I'll get to that in a little bit. I'll get to that in a little bit. I really feel like this is a Carlton thing, and I'll explain that when you get there. Yeah. So, okay. Cindy started asking, too, because, like, obviously she lives with her. It's her daughter. She knows what the fuck she looks like. And she would just get super pissed and super confrontational and just be like, no, I'm not. And da -da -da, and I'm a virgin, all this shit, and storm off and whatever. So they lived in that fantasy world for a bit. That's fine. Okay. And they actually ended up going to a wedding for her uncle Rick. And Casey was seven months fucking pregnant at this point. It's gonna fucking be there. Like, her and I, when I was pregnant, very similar builds. Like, there's no fucking, <laughs> there's no fucking hiding it. Yeah. 
it was very obvious Tara was pregnant. Like, yeah, I was like, ooh, baby. <laughs> like, no belly to giant belly. Like, it's fucking there. Come on. Anyway, so the uncle, like, no one was even rude about it. They were like, oh, my God, Casey's having a baby. When is she due? Like, does she know what it is? Like, you know, like, polite family questions. Mm-hmm. Cindy does that whole thing again like she's not pregnant she's retaining water da 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 and her brother's like bitch no so he's like whatever because it's his fucking wedding so he comes back around again and he's gonna confront her later because he's like no I'm gonna call you out on your shit but obviously the first time this happened it like probably wasn't the best time you know right and so he's like look I'm not fucking dumb she's fucking pregnant and do you know what Cindy fucking says I know you do Cindy fucking says that Casey has a goddamn tumor I mean, there are people who get tumors like that, and it's true that they look like pregnant bellies. That's not my point. My point is she is fucking lying, saying she's like, it's just disgusting. It's disgusting. This is why I think Cindy knew all along that Casey was pregnant. And I feel like Cindy feels like it's that role, like her role is to make everything better. She's very much like a neutralizer. Like, I have to fix everything. Everything has to be smoothed out. And I think that Casey just wasn't ready to tell people that she was pregnant. And I mean, I have my theories on why and I'll share in a minute, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But it just it just makes me mad. Like the stuff that she fucking that Cindy does. uh, Like, I just. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite uh. (laughs) part is that it's retaining water. And I'm like, what is she a water balloon? (laughs) Like. Okay, like, food babies are a real thing. People eat, all of a sudden they have a baby, like a little belly. But it's tiny. It's like a little pooch. Yeah. How much water consumption would she have if I was a person and I was retaining enough water that people were like, oh, you look seven months pregnant. I would go to the doctor because obviously something in my body isn't working properly. Right, right, right. Exactly. It's just fucking ridiculous. Well, something to insert here. Apparently, she ended up telling one of her, like, really close childhood friends this first. And it was one of, like, you know, one of the first people she admitted it to. And her name was Keo Marie. And they had grown up together since, like, middle school. She lived about four or five houses down from her. So, you know, they saw each other, like, every day. They were really, really good friends until a little bit later. And she was talking to her about it, and she was just, like, talking about the fact that she obviously didn't want to get pregnant. She was 19 years old. She was scared to tell Cindy. She's like, my mom's going to kill me. She was making it very apparent. She saw this as not a good thing. And, of course, Keo Marie asks, well, who's the father type of thing? And we hear a bunch of different stories as far as this goes along. Now, I'm just going to kind of lay these out here because they get changed throughout this story, but it's so fucking confusing if we did it that way that it's just better to do our list now. Mm -hmm. So, of course, the first one was Jesse, because that would make the most sense. It's her boyfriend. Right. But uh, no, that math does not add up, as we will learn. No, this is why it's a Carlton thing, because I don't know if you guys are Fresh Prince fans, but there's like an episode where Carlton's girlfriend suddenly has a baby and they're like, Carlton, how can you have this baby? What are you going to do? And he's like, you know, being the responsible guy and like going to take care of it. And then (laughs) Will's like, Carlton, your life is over. You're having a baby. And he's like, well, it's not even my kid. We haven't even had sex. (laughs) I was like, oh, it's like they watched Fresh Prince and (laughs) answer to the story. Mm -hmm. And another person that during Casey's fucking life, she says is Kaylee's dad is this guy named Josh. And it's with quotes because, you know, we don't know. But basically, she ends up telling one of her friends that years later, like in 2011, this is who her dad is. And she's like, we had a one night stand and this is what happened. And it's just this really hot guy that I used to work with. But it's so tragic because he passed away in a car accident after Kaylee's second birthday. Which I would not want to be any male friend of Casey's in any of this because there were like four people connected to her that all died in a car accident. I was like, the fuck? Oh, I have more. I have more. Yes, I will tell you some more. We were, we're not going chronologically. I'm just, I made a list. We got a list. 
So the next person she would say for a while was Kaylee's dad. It's this guy named Michael Patrick Dugan. And yes, he died in a car accident as well in 2007. With this one, it's actually kind of interesting because his mom says that they had a phone conversation that he said, you're going to be a grandma type of thing, and that the mom's name was Casey. So... I don't know. Casey's kind of a common name, so it really doesn't mean anything. You know what I mean? It could have been a different person. And there was also not a follow-up with that. No, no, that's just like, that's all there is with that. (laughs) You're going to be a grandma. And then flash forward six years later, she suddenly remembers that like her deceased son had told her she was going to be a grandma. Like I'd have so many follow-up questions. (laughs) Oh, I know. And another person who dies in a car accident again, this person's name is Jesus Ortiz, and he dated Casey for a while, and he died in a car accident too the same year, 2007. It's just really weird. And that one was also brought up. And then another one, because we got more. God, I'm just like, Jesus. This is the last one, though, I promise. Eric Baker. And he died in a car crash, too. It's just like... It was kind of brought up that that's who it was, but there really wasn't anything with it. And it was kind of similar story as the Josh guy, that it was a one night stand type of thing and that he lived out of state. And it was just like this whole thing. Yeah, it was weird. It was like they were childhood friends and they had like their families were friends and he had moved away and then he came back. Everything in Casey's, like all of her stories that she tells are very like cinematic-y. Like mm-hmm. you could really make a lifetime movie of her story. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. I felt like grouping them all together was the least confusing for you guys. So that's why they're just kind of here. Yeah. So we're going to get back to this pregnancy drama. So Casey and Cindy allegedly have a conversation and you can take this for what it is because it came from Cindy's mouth. But she says Casey tells her and asks if she's mad at her. And Cindy says that she was just excited to be a grandma and that Casey will be a great mom. And I have a feeling it probably didn't go exactly that way. Not saying Cindy wasn't excited to be a grandma, but the conversation. Also the timing of this conversation. Right. Because she's seven months pregnant. And I also think that it's probably that like Cindy already knows. Like there's no denying that Cindy knew. Like even if Casey hasn't confirmed it. She knows. And so she's probably dealt with it. So that conversation probably she was. I could see that she would be excited because now she can talk about it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I'm just saying like the initial type of thing, especially if it was earlier, you know. Right. And there was also rumors that Casey wanted to give Kaylee up for adoption because she was 19 and she was going to, quote, you know, like lose her youth type of thing. And but Cindy was like, fuck no fuck no, this is not happening. So that went nowhere. And at this point, her boyfriend, Jesse, yeah, remember him? Remember him? This is when he's told he's the father. But like like we've already pointed out, this math does not add up. Even if they had sex like when they first got together, that was January and Kaylee's born in August at full term. So. <laughs> right. And yeah, it's not 40 weeks, people. Like they would have had to have met like end of November. Yeah. At like the latest. (laughs) Right. And because it's Casey and it's drama. So like they take a break. They break up before Kaylee's born. And it was something random that got noted in here. It, It was saying about her brother Lee. It was like, and Lee didn't know she was pregnant until he went to the hospital to meet Kaylee. I was like, what? No. No. I mean, unless he is older, so he might not have been home. Yeah, I don't think he lived there. So that makes sense. But I was just like, that's so weird. So we're going to kind of fast forward in our story now to August 9th, 2005. Baby Kaylee would be born at seven pounds, six ounces. And Jesse would come, even though, you know, they were broken up. They had their problems, things like that. And this would be the first time he's meeting the Anthonys, which I'm sure you can feel that tension. It's such a weird thing. Can you imagine, like, walking in and being like, oh, this is the dad? Like, no. Yeah. While you're in the stirrups, like, ready to go. Okay. And, you know, of course, obviously, they're going off what all everything Casey's saying. So they're like, here's this shitbag who's left my daughter and abandoned her and their child type of thing. Right. Cindy describes him as being, like, scruffy and unkept. I mean, I don't know what fucking time it was. Like, who knows? He just, like, got told she was having the baby, so he probably just fucking showed up. Right. And he's young. Right. Do you want him to wear a tuxedo? 
yeah, this isn't the 50s where you have a Twilight baby and then like all of a sudden the man is in the waiting room with flowers and chocolates and that's it. Like, no, like (laughs) he probably got up and went, you know, like most babies. For some reason, I feel like all babies are born at night or there's like labor during the nighttime. Like, I don't believe people like, I know this is true. I know people go into labor in the day and have babies in the day and never go into the night. But like (laughs) every story I've ever heard, it's like, I went into labor at 6 p.m. and then at three in the morning the next day, out popped my kid. Jeez, yeah. But some more weirdness. Both of her parents are in the delivery room. And I can give my opinion because I've had a child. So nobody at me. I'm going to give my own opinion because I went through this. (laughs) (laughs) So her dad's in there. And it's not like her dad's being up by her shoulder. Her dad's like all up in the action. I'm sorry. Fucking no. First of all, fucking no. So when I heard that, I had a different thing because I was like, well, my dad was there. Like my Because my dad is my grandfather, not like in a weird way, but like in the fact that like he raised me, I chose to call him my dad. He is biologically my grandfather, not my father. But like he was there when my older brother and I were being born. But my dad was also a midwife. Yeah, different, different. There's different. Like he was actually like assisting in said birth. Right. Versus like the other way. Just George. Yeah. Like it wasn't like he was down there like, what's happening down here? Like it actually makes a lot of sense for Cindy to be in the room. She's a nurse. Right. I'd be like, please be mom. You know things. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And Cindy was in the room too. And then so when Kaylee was born, Casey doesn't hold Kaylee first. Cindy scoops her up. So I've heard that, but then I've actually heard Cindy say, she handed her to me. As in, like, Cindy was the first person other than Casey to hold her. I wanted to put that out there because as part of us being, granted, Tara and I have a really hard time being objective with things like this, but, like, because we have to be somewhat objective when I hear a different fact, I need to present it. And I did hear, and she handed me Kaylee as, as she was talking about, like, I was with Casey when she gave birth and she handed me the baby. So it's like, oh, I could see where Cindy was the first person to hold Kaylee outside of Casey. Yeah, that would make so much more sense. But I'm just like, if it's not, then I'm adding the doctor more than her because it's like the doctor's the one catching the baby. Right. (laughs) Like they have control. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? A thousand percent. But we also don't know the circumstances. Like it could be that Casey didn't want to hold Kaylee. Yeah. Childbirth could be traumatic. Maybe she just didn't feel like she had the strength. And the doctor is like, somebody take this baby. And she said, mom, take the baby. Nowadays, you know, husbands can catch the baby. They don't even have to, like, it doesn't even have to be a doctor. Mm -hmm. So after Kaylee is born, Casey and Jesse end up getting back together. Mm -hmm. They actually get engaged and all that shit. So he's obviously still like, "Mm, I don't know if she's mine. Dude, you know she's not. Just, Just fucking saying. And his dad is like, bro, do not put your name on that birth certificate. You need to go do a paternity test. And so he does. And it's said that it takes six weeks before they ended up getting their results. And of course, it says like he's not the father. But obviously at this point, like Jesse didn't care either way. Like he loved Casey and he loved Kaylee and he was, you know, there helping raise her. And he actually like wanted to adopt her and they were going to be a family. That's what he wanted. And not something every person would have done, especially because, like, they had broken up right before. So, like, if it was a different person, they could have been like, bye. I just, going back to TV shows, like, I relate it to, like, Ben on The Secret Life of an American Teenager, where he's like, I will be your baby's dad, even though I'm not the baby's dad. And it's like, oh, okay. You're like 16, stop it. (laughs) (laughs) But apparently, Cindy was not a fan of Jesse and did not want this to happen and did not like him. There was other drama going on for her at this point with George. Actually, prior to Kaylee being born, there was all kinds of stuff going on with like his lying and online gambling and financial issues and stuff like that. And he was actually living elsewhere. They were separated at that point. But basically, they got back together and didn't get divorced because it would have fucked Cindy because she made more money. So she would have had to pay alimony to him. 
So she was just kind of like, not doing that. So they just stayed married. And when I was watching stuff and reading stuff, it was saying like she tried to maybe she paralleled them too. And that's why she didn't like him. And I'm like, well, it's actually probably because like her daughter's saying all this stuff to make him look bad and why they broke up and stuff and putting blame on him. So it's probably more that, to be honest. I don't know if it's really that deep. I honestly think it's probably a little mix of both. Like, I feel like she probably looked at him as a scumbag. And at that moment in time, George was her scumbag. And I think that Casey was saying that he was lying. Everything is his fault. Yeah, and she didn't want, like, obviously, you you want the best for your kids. So, you know, she wouldn't want her, even though she had a kid with him, she wouldn't want her with someone, like, who's going to treat her like shit, even though Casey's a piece of shit. But, you know, so it is what it is. And... At first, like anybody, uh, Casey's on maternity leave, so she stayed home with Kaylee. And then it shifted to basically that as soon as Cindy would walk through the door, because she's like working and stuff, she'd be like, oh, it's Grammy time. Here, take the baby, like da-da-da, and be like, here you go. It was said that like Cindy and George basically did everything for Kaylee. Like they had a whole room set up for her. They paid for everything for her. They bought like diapers, formula, food, clothes, you know, everything. So... As it does, maternity leave comes to an end and Universal's like, hey, calling, like, are you coming back to work? Where are you? Type of thing. And she's pretty much like dodging all of their calls. So, of course, she's terminated and they're like, nope, fuck you, bye. And at this point, again, the only person that knows about this is Casey. So what would she do? She would act like she still had a job. And depending on, like, the time period as this goes on, she would either leave her with Cindy and them or she'd leave her with a friend or if certain stuff, like, later down the road. Like, she takes her with her to go do whatever the fuck she's doing. But in the beginning, it's very much like, I need time by myself. I want to go do what I want type of thing. And at that point, it's not anything crazy. It's just like hanging out at friends' houses, going to the mall, things like that. But she does end up having a friend that she had met at a birthday party in 2007 named Amy Hyzenga. And Amy would end up watching Kaylee for free for her when she was working. And she had told Amy that she got a job at Sports Authority. And if you don't know what that is, it's retail sporting goods. So obviously, retail hours, you kind of get like random schedules, right? So that means she'd get evenings freed up sometimes when she had to close or go do inventory or things like that, which I'm like, bitch, I remember doing inventory when I really did work retail and I'd be at work till like 1 a.m. So fuck you, but it's fine. Yeah, Tara and I both worked for a phone carrier. We worked in a retail store at one point, like not together, like at the same time, but in like different parts of the United States. But it would suck because like if you had any kind of like product change or anything like that, you stayed until you finished and sometimes it was like I would be leaving at two or three in the morning exhausted because it just takes that long to like change the whole store around oh yeah and apparently one day Amy needed her for something I don't remember exactly I don't know if it was actually said like what it was but she needed to get a hold of Casey so she called sports authority and she's like hey can I talk to Casey and they're like um there's no Casey who works here like no sorry like maybe you called the wrong store type of thing so Amy's like what the fuck So when she does come back to get Kaylee, she confronts her and she does this thing that she does with like fucking everybody. She pulls all this lanyard or some bogus like name badge. and She's like, no, look, see, I work there. I work there. See, because she would do the same shit with her stuff with Universal because obviously she never went back. So like she kept her badge and stuff, you know, and I'm like, that doesn't prove anything, especially with like sports authority. You could literally buy anything with their logo on it, but okay, Right. I'm pretty sure they sell the lanyard. Yeah. I'm trying to remember because like sports authorities were, I don't think sports authorities are in existence now. I think they may have gone out of business. Maybe. Yeah. I know that the one that I used to go to is gone, but I don't remember them having lanyards. I remember them like having name tags. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And I have one little extra like side boo to mention real quick. That was interesting. And then the last parts of my stuff is just like random fucked up shit she did. (laughs) So she had new boo, allegedly. She said she was dating this guy named Jeff Hopkins. And like he had a son around the same age as Kaylee. So, you know, it was great because they could go do stuff together. They could take them to the park. They could take them to here and there and, you know, whatever. And she just kept talking him up. And so Cindy and George are like, that's great. Why don't you invite him over for dinner so we can meet him if it's getting serious, blah, blah, blah. And literally, like, every fucking time they were going to have this dinner, they'd be sitting there waiting and she'd get a text that, oh, he can't come now. Oh, this is happening. Oh, his kid's sick in the hospital, blah, blah, blah. And, like, Jessica's mentioned all these random details with her lies that she does not fucking need. Oh, my God. The one of the things about lying that they say that really good liars that don't get caught is the people who lie and give so much detail they can't remember their detail this is like where jessica relates everything to tv shows right now but like how i met your mother like barney stinson will say like when you're picking up a chick like you have to when you tell a lie you don't give a ton of detail keep it simple and Casey would just be like he has a son named this and you know he works and it would be so extravagant that anytime she'd get caught in a lie all she could do is like freak out and yell and walk away yeah and then just one day out of nowhere she's like oh he moved to North Carolina (laughs) they were like can he come for dinner this day and she's like fuck No, he moved. (laughs) (laughs) He's out of state now. Bye. And something that's that'll come into play more later, but I am going to mention Casey had some sticky fingers when it came to money. And one of the first ones that gets brought up is it was Kaylee's second birthday. And she's like, hey, I'm going to go out and get some stuff for the party. I'll be back. And she took one of her grandma's checks and wrote out a check. And that's how she paid for the stuff. It would get figured out. And her grandma's kind of like calls her out on it. It's like, what the fuck type of situation. Oh, totally. So there was that. And then the next money thing that I would like to mention involving her grandma that she does later is she actually takes money out of her grandma's account that they're using for her grandpa for his nursing home stuff. And I'm just like, God damn, Casey, like, what the fuck? Like, you're disgusting. And not only does she steal from her grandma, her grandparents, she clears out the savings account that George and Cindy had set up for Kaylee and took everything but like five bucks. She left like the minimum amount. And George and Cindy, you know, they're having all of their problems that they got going on and with the gambling and stuff. So like Cindy's starting to pay attention to money. Well, she I don't know if she goes to an accountant or something. They go to an accountant to get it all added up. But basically, when they're like figuring out all the shit fucking George has done, they discover that Casey's been dipping in and out of their money. And in total, she had stolen $40,000 from her parents. Forty fucking thousand dollars. And when Cindy tried to get her to pay it back, she fucking made these like fake deposit slips and gave them to Cindy. And I'm just like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Right. But please, please note that Cindy never checked on these fake deposit slips. Like she didn't go and be like, oh, no, I should see if this is legit and check. I mean, this is in 2007. And so online banking was kind of a thing. I don't think it was like as big as it is now, but I definitely think you could access it. Right. Or I would be like, no, we're going to the bank and I'm going to watch you deposit this. Or how about you hand me the money and I'll go do it myself. And I'll deposit it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. She was just too motherfucking trusting. But with that, we are going to go ahead and stop part one here. Thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you have enjoyed it so far and are excited to hear more about this case. It's one that's definitely stuck with Jessica and I, so we have been wanting to record it for a long time. So we hope that you guys enjoy this mini series. And like I said in the beginning, we will be back on Thursday for part two. Bye, guys. Bye.